0: just running all over you and you're just trying to people please and you're just trying to stay relevant and stay relatable in all of the wrong ways you don't need to try and relate to them by consuming demonic food
1: all right welcome to your church friends podcast i am chris i'm Mirza. and today we are joined with the wonderful watsons michelle and Shay. And they are the host of the Pantry podcast, which I would suggest everyone go listen to. It's amazing. I actually do listen to your guys' podcasts. You know, sometimes we have like people on and, and you're like, yeah, the podcast is great, but you're just kind of saying <laughs> it. I actually do enjoy your guys' podcasts. I've listened to the probably about five to seven of them recently. And uh, the, the one with Chris Sorbel's wife, I don't remember her name. Oh, I'm, yeah, Sam. Yeah, Sam. I'm really more sh- shocked that I remembered Chris Sorbel and not Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> That was a wonderful episode uh, about, gosh, what did she call it? I, I'm going to say homeschooling, but it wasn't homeschooling.
0: Self-teaching.
1: There it is. Self-teaching.
0: Helping them learn how to teach themselves.
1: It, that's a wonderful episode to go listen to. Uh, and just everything that you guys have been doing this season has been great. So we started talking, mainly me and Shay, about stuff just online. And then I was like, we got to come up together. We got to get together and, and do some stuff together. And I was like, let's do Empires. And I know that's something that's up your guys' niche, and let's do it and have fun. So we're going to look at, as we're continuing villains of the Bible, we're going to look at the empires in the Bible, and then kind of transition to uh, some other stuff. So uh, I'll let you guys share some words if you want uh, at the beginning, and then we'll kick it over to our historian, theologian, Murdoch. uh, (laughs) You can't talk me up like that, because people (laughs) who
2: actually know are just like, yeah, you need to get him. If that's what you're going for, get a better guy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, uh, I'll, I'll say, uh, I'll kick it over to uh, the smarter of the two of us, Murdoch.
0: Do you want to say No, I something? just, I mean,
3: it's just awesome to be here. I think it's always cool to sit down with uh, Chris and, and now Murdoch. I mean, that's awesome. It's, I think it's going to be a bomb show. What we're talking about tonight is definitely something that we look at when we start looking at the uh, underbelly and, and, and the what's behind everything that we see in the world. And I think it's important to do a historical walkthrough on that to see it more clearly.
0: Yeah, and I love these kind of talks because they take all of that and they help you make sense of how to apply it to your life. Like, what does mm. this mean for my spiritual walk? What does this mean for my discernment? And so I'm excited to see where we where we land. Where we all
3: land, that. yeah. That will be cool.
2: I was just going to say I'm excited about it too because me and Chris have been talking to Empire and just looking at some different stuff. So this is kind of one of the first times opening it up and fleshing out with some different people. So I'm excited to see where it goes. We'll bravely go where uh, the podcast <laughs> takes us. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Hopefully where the Holy in- Spirit's taking us. Yeah, when right. he said
3: Empire the first time, I, I, I had to pull out Empire Strikes Back and start studying. No. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding.
2: All right, so you're in the future. I'm going to go back to the past a bit. I know you are just asking me, Chris, about like some history on Empire, and that depends on kind of whose history you're looking at. Things go back a long way. I mean, you look at India and the Hindu religion and some of their writings, and apparently it goes back super far, and you have that. Yeah, going back into Genesis, you have Nimrod um, and the Tower of Babel situation. You just get right there, right at the beginning. One of the big rebellions of mankind that happens is when God says, hey, go spread out over the earth. You have Nimrod coming. He's a great hunter. He's a great man of renown. And that thing happening. But he starts gathering people together to build this tower, something to reach up to heaven, like a ziggurat kind of thing. But here's where you see this big city, the big city state coming together and God is just against that from the very beginning. He goes, I see what you guys are doing. I'm going to come down and split that thing up. And you generally just see that as things move forward, whether it is Egypt or Babylon or any of the surrounding empires really is what you look at them, they tend to be opposed to gods. They have their own god, although Yahweh, God of the Bible, proves himself ultimately Lord of Lord and King of Kings over all that he's able to use them all towards his purposes, you know, whenever invasions and different things are happening. Not that he approves of it, not that he's causing it to happen, but he can work all things towards his ends. But I can't really see any time in the scriptures or, you know, when we're looking at history that the Bible would really look at empires being a good thing. You do have the Israel being set up as an empire of sorts, but even there, the ruling that's going on isn't very good. Uh, We talk about that all the time. But yeah, there's a cool chart. I'm just going to mention it. There's a chart we can put in the show notes that just puts things out where geographically they're located and how long they last for as far as empires in the world. I don't want to go through all of them. I'd rather see where this conversation goes. But generally, just another tidbit is even though you can look at Egypt lasted a really long time or Roman Empire lasted a pretty long time getting in the New Testament, most empires only last like 250 years kind of the age of an empire, which I don't know if we're going to get into it, but that's about how old America is. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what you were looking for, but that's what you got.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we should definitely talk about the current empire because, yeah, I think that's perfect to bring up because, you know, we just passed through the Christmas season and we were, we were at good old Hobby Lobby and we were looking around and, you know, you have all of these different decorations and you see a lot of like peace on earth peace on earth peace on earth and i think that one of the traits that you see in people that live in an empire that is on its high ups you know like they they look at that and they're like well peace on earth is possible because look at look at what we're dealing with look at how we're living because normally in an empire you do have the the trials the day-to-day struggles but you also have this very insulated protected state depending on when you're in like when you're living in the empire if you're if it's brand new maybe not but if you're living in the middle of it you kind of think things are pretty good and you might start thinking and being convinced even as a christian that peace on earth is a thing that can really happen like everybody's gonna have it and they conveniently forget that in revelation peace on earth comes with oppression and complete control of everybody's autonomy by an antichrist Mm. and that Praying for peace on earth is not necessarily a well educated, biblical, correct worldview. It's actually praying that people would experience the peace that passes understanding internally and that people would come to Christ because that is where that peace would reside. It wouldn't be this peace on earth. And so that's where we're at right now. You know, that's why we see some of the issues that we're seeing now is that our empire that we're currently in. It's kind of worldwide almost, you know, everyone, because it's global to a degree, can kind of be exposed, thanks to the internet, to the riches of the empire, and yet it's kind of put a lot of people to sleep.
3: And I'm going to rewind it back because you know we just took it to the fu- to the future, but or now the present going into the future. But he he was talking about when we're talking about Egypt, we're talking about Syria, we're talking about Babylon, we're talking about all of these these nations that you see kind of poke their heads in during this whole biblical uh, narrative. Yeah. And and it's like this constant up and down, up and down. We definitely see that the heart is wicked. We definitely see that man is definitely involved and what is happening and you continuously though what's cool about this because we know this is a christian podcast is that, <laughs> you know we see god also involved we see god constantly you know gosh how many times do the israelites have to mess up how many times does he have to deliver them over it was really interesting and and you know a little side note here but like you know we talk about nimrod we talk about polytheistic religion we talk about bell we talk about obelisks, we start talking and we start looking at this and we start looking out throughout history on these obelisks, on these these sites of worship. And we start to see these things progressively uh, show their faces into what we see today even. I mean, hey, we live in Washington DC and we got one right down the road. <laughs> and I sit there and I say, oh, <laughs> that, that's interesting that that would be a main staple of even what the US says is a, a staple of today. Yeah. But we, you know, and as you see this, you just see this continual walk on this empire, but I've never seen an empire that, you know, I, what do I see in empires normally? I see worldly, I see wicked, I see manipulative, I see undermining, I see controlling, I see ideas that like to cause reliance. You know, it's like, it's like that is what we start to see. They, they bring in so much power that the, the people that are underneath them feel weak. And it's like okay that and that is where we start seeing that underline that we're going to probably get into here in a few minutes but i'm gonna i'm gonna let the floor go because there's four of us but <laughs> i mean but we start to see these things where people will give away give away you know security for safety yeah you know it's like they they fall under this idea and it's like and then uh, let's just go here too like okay how did how did israel get all of their resources by an empire defeating so empires to regain resources also defeat other empires and so we just see a big underlying of wickedness when we start to talk about empires.
1: I like how you brought up the, the building up of things. And Murdoch touched on that in the beginning with the, the Tower of Babel. And when you look at the three, I would say the three kind of main empires within the Bible, we're looking at Egypt, Babylon, and Rome. Egypt built the pyramids. You know, they're, again, continuing that, continuing that theme of uh, we're going to build images for ourselves or build something to make ourselves great. And then Babylon, of course, Nebuchadnezzar, we talked about this on the show, ne- Nebuchadnezzar built a giant statue, but also he had the garden that was just super beautiful. It was one of the old seven wonders of the world. And then Rome, of course, the Colosseum, all the other stuff that they built. So they're constantly building up images and things for themselves to go into. And when we kind of look at that and some of the other areas that all these empires bring in as far as like oppression and control. And you were talking about Michelle, manipulation and and just holding people generally down that it's building up this self-image and lifting ourselves up. And that just runs in through the same kind of narrative of what people struggle with today, right? It's a lot of building ourselves up. We may may not be building uh, statues up anymore or buildings, but we're building up followers. We're building up views. We're building up all these other things that they're they're basically the self-building up thing. You
2: brought up pyramids and I was like, all right, we said we weren't going to go into conspiracy. Uh, So (laughs) keep moving on with that. But kind of what we're all talking about and Michelle, you were saying like, you know, peace on earth. And when we're looking at empire, I think that no matter how good an empire's ideals or underlines, because sometimes it's just straight dictatorship and it goes on forever and it's just passed on. It's horrible. Other nations pop up and, you know, good changes are made. If you look towards the past, if we look at now in Western civilization compared to like the straight up pagan world, I'm happy to be alive now in where I am, but I think that in what we're recognizing as well is that no matter what's going on in the worldly empires is that it's not the kingdom of heaven and it's not God's ideal for how we are to be managed because an empire is essentially a group of people setting themselves up over another group of people and rulership happening that way rather than we're all, you know, children of God. And when we look at Jesus, he is the king. He's the one that we take on as a ruler. And when we're looking at his kingdom, And when you get in the biblical narrative of things, it's actually his kingdom comes and knocks down all of the empires of the world and, you know, grows up to be something that overtakes it all. But there's a big danger when you see in any earthly empire mimicking or trying to bring the peace that only God can bring. Because I think that even where there are successes, we just see in our world today, everybody seeking after justice and in America where we're at and different things. And it's like, so many of the right ideas are you know right feelings and wants towards things but just executed in ways that like it can it can't happen that way.
0: Right.
3: That's cuz I think man wants to take control of it and you know when we look at verses like 2nd Timothy uh, in 3, right, they become what? Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I mean, we go down this list. This is this is the man that's trying to create the peace. I, I would love to sit there and say, yeah, you know, I, I live in a nation that, you know, follows the biblical guidelines of God. Yes, America is far better off right now than most countries are. But then I don't know, sometimes I, I sit there and I think about that, too. Here I go. Here we gotta go. Here I right. go. Here I go. Because I, I have churches in Kenya and, and, you know, they still have their little gods, like like Chris was saying. You know, they got their gods of themselves or, you know, pride and whatever. But they really put a lot of Christian belief into their system. And so you don't necessarily see the things that we start to see. We don't see the 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 morality starting to shift on the lower levels of the country. You know what I'm saying? The the people who have to be under the country. But uh, I like I like what we're saying here because what we're saying is we're we're directing it towards God. Mm-hmm. We're directing it towards God and what God has to say about all of these things. I love that you brought Jesus in. It's like yeah, you know, peace, peace, peace. But if we don't have the Prince of Peace, what are we going to do? We, we're not. We're gonna be selfish, we're gonna be self-lovers, we're gonna, we're gonna think that we're the ones that are gonna make the change. And all we're doing in shows like this, or, or even on our show, is trying to show people that it's God who's gonna bring these changes. And there is an enemy. Um, and, and maybe this is the time to go into that. It's like, come on guys, Ephesians 6, 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Y'all, I'm a military guy. I sat there for years, decades, sitting there trying to understand the wickedness of man, trying to understand, you know, calling man wicked and saying, ooh, they're wicked. And my pinpoint was so shallow, to be honest, because I didn't have the depth of who was behind all of this. And I think that we have to understand this. Paul in this verse is not saying that we're going into a spiritual battle. No, he's saying we're in this spiritual battle, but we gotta understand we're already winning. You know, we gotta understand that we're already winning, we got to understand the victory because why I want to raise up a generation. I got a two-year-old and I'm like, wait, 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 hold up. I, I have victory. I have, vi- I'm going to heaven. I'm eternal brother. I'm, I'm rolling. But my child, I need to raise my child up. You know, these are the, the things that we stay in this battle about sharing the gospel, right? Standing on solidified truth. These are things that we roll through, but we got to understand something. I, I say this all the time. I said it to people. There's 2,834 bus stops in DC. If I stop to look at them as individual sins and I'm trying to fight each sin, so that's 2,834 sins, or things that are coming against the word of God or you know that doesn't go in line with the word of God, it is overwhelming. But the minute I took that step back and said, oh, hold up a second. Wait, did you say, wait, rulers, principalities? We start to talk about infrastructure. Satan has been running an infrastructure the whole time that the kingdom has been running an infrastructure because he took a third of the angels with him, which means he's been working on this a really long time. And if we sit back in naivety and say that there isn't another system that is under, or actually, let me say this, above the systems that we are seeing globally, I I think that we're just at a loss. Yeah, We're at a loss for the directions that we're going
0: i would add to that humanity likes to think we build our even christians like to build up humanity as being more powerful than it really is in the sense of giving the wickedness of man more credit than what the enemy is actually doing not to say we don't sin when satan's bound because we know that that still occurs in the millennial age but we also know that every person is either being guided by the holy spirit or manipulated Mm. by evil by an evil kingdom and how strong is a person who is always being influenced by something greater than them in that sense now once you have the holy spirit there's no you can tread on serpents evil has lost so for us it's it's a little different but when we start pointing at humanity and saying they're the enemy instead of a potential brother and sister we see we see that issue coming in. Mm -hmm. And as someone who has even before Christ studied the occult, like nerded out on it, because I did not like it. Those who study the occult, give evil order. There are dukes, there are kings, there are presidents, there are governors of the evil rulers of this world. It's not just like, Oh, who's your president that you voted in? No, literally, they have there's a book with 72 demons in it. They've made a children's book version of it, by the way, because that's the world we live in. But these people that have studied this for centuries, like lay out all of the all of the rankings of these evil entities. So it's not like they're just in a chaotic hot mess that can't do anything for themselves. No, they are ordered. And we need to at least give that much credit and not think that they're just something that shouldn't be taken seriously.
1: I really like both of you guys' theme conversation there of, of what you're saying this underlying but overlined right that there is a power above everything else and looking at empires even in the biblical sense when we were doing the show because that they were the villains right so we looked at herod's they're the villains we looked at nebuchadnezzar he's the villain and then we have pharaoh who was a, a villain till the very end but we were looking at the person and this is why we wanted this episode because this episode and and even going with what we end up doing with or Already did. Depends on when this comes out. And I have to look at the timeline. When we look at Satan and the dragon and being all three with the serpent, that there is then we started, especially when we looked at the serpent, we started looking at there's that thing behind the thing. Mm -hmm. There's the thing behind the thing. And the Bible gives us this narrative of all these empires as being rulers and uh, oppression and then there's people who are in bondage to them and then once they get out of it there's somewhat this freedom of it right and, and then it, it pinnacles all the ways up to Christ who then is the representation of anything he's saying my kingdom come I'm bringing the kingdom down here when we looked at Nebuchadnezzar the dream he had it was the rock that crushed the statue but it didn't put a, a hole in the ground it built up a mountain and, and that's what Christ is representing in our lives that it, it comes and crushes all that stuff and removes us and then we're out of the empire of the world and we're into the kingdom of Christ, right? So that's kind of that theme that runs through the Bible. But I'm going to kick this over to you, Michelle, because you said something really cool yesterday when we were talking on the phone. Was that yesterday or the day before? Yesterday. Cool. Thank I you. can't remember because my day's blur. Uh, <laughs> but you, we were talking about it and you said something, and I'm going to let you elaborate on this because I thought it was a great point on how we actually somewhat get comfortable in the empires, kind of looking at the Egyptians and, and Israelites when they were like, "Moses, why'd you bring us out here? I'd rather die in Egypt and keep being a slave." And and then you kind of see through the other stuff that people were more inclined to stay part of the empire than break out of it.
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly it. The idea of as far as like, how is this applicable to us? Like, okay, yes, the empires are bad, and as a Christian, I pray that everybody. At some point realizes praying for discernment is a really valuable prayer to pray because it's going to help you so much and how do you get that discernment you grow in the word you read in the word you cling to christ desperately and know that he is always right and that my opinion doesn't even come second to his my opinion doesn't matter if it clashes with his and the more i guess radical your reliance on him gets the more of this you can literally just shake off the more free you will feel from the system mm. but before you get to that point how does knowing that all of these people are evil? how does even like why does it even matter that demons have rank? who cares right? well yeah who who cares really? I mean, it doesn't really matter if you if you just know that they're evil doesn't matter but this is this is the thing. We can take demons out of it for a second and go to our flesh, the other enemy that is with us, even if all the demons were bound up, our flesh is still with us, and if your flesh is constantly chasing after the nostalgia or the novelty of the culture that actually despises Mm -hmm. who resides in you, then you're going to be constantly in a battle, an internal and external battle. It's gonna manifest in yourself, in what you think and feel. It's going to manifest in your relationships. It's going to, impede your ability to serve the kingdom of god because often and i mean i'm saying this with confidence because i've struggled with it many times he always the lord always likes to reveal to us more layers as we're ready to cope and deal with that of where we're still conceding and where we're still letting in toxic things but when you have a culture that despises christ And i think that there's no debate that the culture and the empire we're in despises christ and i could list out all the examples but i don't need to we all have our own personal ones. when you're still trying to be best friends with the culture that hates you you're not going to be the winner day to day like yes you've won you have salvation but day to day They're just running all over you and you're just trying to people please and you're just trying to stay relevant Mm. and stay relatable in all of the wrong ways. You don't need to try and relate to them by consuming demonic food. That's not how you fit in. That's not how Jesus taught us to be relatable. He said that loving people would be how we relate to them and are able to shed light. How we love one another is how we would be known as being different and that that's how you're a light. On a light, and that's how you're a city on the hill, not by consuming demonic culture. So you have small talk. Like once you come to Christ, you have a backstory. That's how you're relatable. You've been there. Even once you come to Christ, you struggle. That's how you're relatable because you're not perfect, right? And so, you know, just like the Egyptians who were like, we miss the meat of Egypt. And just like in any empire, even if you're in the lowest tier, there's so many opportunities to go escape the hardship with distractions, even like back in the day, like, you know, in the town square, there'd be jugglers and, people, you know, like, all the, like there's a way to escape the hardship for a second by falling into the culture. And as a Christian, the prayer is to start asking God to reveal to you where you're letting in parasites that are leeching the energy out of you that you could be using for you and to be a blessing to others.
3: Yeah, I, I would come in on that, and as I sit here thinking about it, I think of King Solomon, and I think about the relational desire to you know to be friend, you know, to have a, a relationship. You know, it's like I, I got, I want relationships, I want relationships, and he allowed that to come in. Here we got a guy who could have stood on the foundation of God, who could have sat there as as the Davidic covenant, you know, in line of right, and here he is building what uh, idols east of Jerusalem to Moab and uh, Molech because why he allowed that cultural influence from his relation to influence his mind. You know, we joke about it all the time and like she started praying about Michelle. She was like, she was like, she was praying for wisdom. And then, and then we talk about Solomon. Yeah, he, he wanted wisdom too. But, and then she goes, I'm gonna start praying for godly wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) Cause it, it never really defines the wisdom, except he says in his wisdom, he says, I just want the wisdom to take care of my people. It was, it was, it was generalized. Now, God gave him plenty of opportunities. Look, he went to heaven. (laughs) Look, he did all that, still went to heaven. And and I think that's beautiful. And, and, you know, then you jump over to 1 John 2, 5, where it says, do not love the world or the things in this world. You know, when we look at this word world, the morally evil system opposed to all that God is and holds dear. That is where Christians, like she's saying, have to have this discernment. Have to have this discernment. To make sure that, you know, we're in line with the word of God and not in line with culture.
2: I just realized we're on Zoom and I'm sitting here nodding at everything. i like, oh I should probably talk. This is a podcast. People can't tell like what's going
1: on. <laughs>
2: but Everything that you guys are talking. I mean, one, it was just firing off so many just different scriptures. You guys are talking by like, no, you know, you're not giving the address to it, but it is definitely scripture all the way through with these things. Um, but also brought to mind the uh, recent podcast that you guys did on culture. Uh, Just with that last part that you're talking about, Michelle, I'm going to recommend everybody go listen to that podcast because that just is a deep dive into that and how to stay separate from it and just really analyzing that. You guys did a great job there. But how all of it's tied together, right? Because we are individuals. We have this life that God gave us, but we also exist in a place, in a time. And when we look at if people, go look at that chart or just when you read the Bible in a place, in a time, different empires existed. And while they might have been different in some of the things that they did, they definitely had a lot of the same things that they did on that structural level, which I'm glad that you brought that up, Shay, because I think, and not well, and for good reason, so much of the Christian message is look at your own self and your own sin and your own need for salvation. But so much of the message is also looking at the empire and the power and how our ultimate enemy, like Chris was bringing up when we're looking at, you know, the snake, the dragon, the devil coming in and being over those things, which, Michelle, you were talking the, um, that chart of the different demons. And you said, well, who cares about it? And I feel like in America, we don't care about the spiritual things. So we don't see the connection between me being an individual in the place and time that I live, how all of that affects me. I don't just get to live in a vacuum. But all of the culture around and all the everything else, it's a big effect. And ultimately, where the Bible brings it down to and where the gospel is so good is because it takes us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. And it really is that thing of, okay, well, we're all in some type of worldly empire and those systems are running. But when the Bible says come out from them, be separate, be holy, be different, there's an actual thing that takes place. That, Like you were saying, there's always layers and the layers start kind of course with maybe a lot of the behavioral changes that happen. And then it goes inner and inner to your thought process. You're getting control over all that. And then just really the spirit moving through you in ways that's just like, oh, that's something that doesn't exist in a world where the spirit is dead or not recognized. But to rewind it even back, I wanted to talk about that. Who cares about that, that list of demons and in America where we've just discounted the spiritual as, well, you're either church people or any of that stuff like Ouija boards. Like It's not really a thing. But when you look at, say, somebody like Aleister Crowley, right, and all of the different rituals he was doing, he was doing it on purpose with those demons to unlock and to unleash. And when you look at it, he's not the only one and the resurgence of witchcraft and different things are even right now, and that there are people taking part in these things. And if you want to look at the big structural level of maybe who has power and influence on like a political structure scale, but the dark structure scale, you don't need to be you know, holding a seat in office anywhere or a, a big CEO, you could just be a person who's into dark arts and taking place and helping move that thing forward. And when we look at just the things that are affecting us and how we are to live, it's also intimately connected. Like, why should we care about empire? Like, cause it all like, right. It right, is right. all meaningful. And then once right. you come into the church, it's part of your mission and you brought up warfare. And when you look at Uh, the peace of the world. When you look at Caesar, Pax Romana, like that was his thing. I'm using the force of empire to bring peace to the world. And so many of the titles that we give to Christ are actually titles that they used for Caesar. And the early church was like, no, 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 Caesar's not the one that brings peace. He's not the king. king. Like it's Jesus. He's the one and really establishing Jesus as, you know, the leader to bow down to the empire to enter into and because he's a good one.
1: <laughs> but
2: his his version of peace isn't to where we go to war like the world goes to war. We don't need to go with guns and swords or anything else. Oh. But when we go with the gospel and somebody receives that, then we win them over from yeah. darkness and that's where peace is coming from because now I've gained a brother and they've gained a brother and there's love that's there, right? And it's all built on that. So the warfare that goes on is completely different. And I think that the church just has The solution to it? I mean, that's what the Bible says. But the more that I've looked at, I remember I was a teenager, and I was struggling with faith and everything. I was talking to my dad about all these great ideals that like, if I was a politician, I'd be trying to force on people, right? Like, here's how we need to run it. And my dad just looked at me and went, you know what, son, everything that you think that you'd want to accomplish, God wants to do it through the church the right way.
1: Hold hold on, Murdoch. I want you to say that in your dad's accent. (laughs) Go on, let's do it.
2: (laughs) He's going to be like, that's not not my accent. You have a trash accent. (laughs) All right, son. What I want you to know is that everything that you want to accomplish in your life, all these things that you're talking about, is things that Christ wants to accomplish through His church and do it the right way. See, that there just sounds deeper, oh, right?
3: I just had yeah. a, a brave heart moment.
2: That was kind of Irish, not Glasgow.
3: <laughs> oh yeah I, I yeah
1: i don't know your background but I, just i don't know that's people who don't know that's much. So cool. no, that's, yeah. so cool. but no, that's why like, he uh, says his name that way at the beginning i mean you yeah. guys can see it on the chat it's you know yeah. most people spell murdoch differently that's mirdoch uh, Like it yeah, has murdoch. a and i think i gave that r more of a hispanic flavor to it right <laughs> you can
2: right. It. no yeah <laughs> <laughs>
3: no i i man i like that
4: Sorry to interrupt, but it's me, Remy, here with Reed. Hi, everyone. So, Reed, you have been going on and on about this new video game you've been playing. Tell the YCF audience all about it. Of course, Remy. It's been the funnest game I played in the year. It's called Empires of the World. And the goal of the game is to conquer as many countries as you can to become the strongest empire in the world. Wow, that sounds pretty cool and challenging. It really is! As your empire grows, you face many challenges and must make several decisions, from how to grow it economically, to how to navigate through all the political issues that come up. The best feature is Friend Mode. You can play with your friends, but if you conquer their land, they can never play the game again. Where can people play Empires of the World and how much does it cost? empires of the world is available for all gaming consoles but it is banned in 70 countries and most gaming consoles this great game can be yours for the low low price of 99 dollars that seems like a deal to me i can't wait to get a copy and play it today now back to the show I'm like, fired up yeah,
0: from everything I, he said. Everything
3: you just said, brother. Yeah. I'm like I'm like I, I, and I didn't stop from speaking. I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> I like cuz I'm over here pumping my fist too cuz right. I I think that we we fall into a false sense. Now, let me tell you something. Evil has very limited power against a believer. Romans 8, you know, principalities cannot keep us from the love of God. They just they just can't. It's impossible. Ephesians 1 tells us that Jesus is enthroned in heaven. I mean, these are all positive. So we don't want anyone leaving this episode from our side thinking like, oh my gosh, it's hopeless. No, it's hopeful. Oh, yeah. The whole point of this is is when we're awakened to this, it's like, wow, you start putting pieces together. Look, how many Christians out there have read the seven fundamental tenets of Satanism or the satanic fundamental tenets? Yeah. Y'all, if you read them, you would see this ideal when you read a verse like angel of light, right? He represents an angel Like you'll see culture written right into the seven tenths about be nice and, you know, but, but stand up for yourself. Don't take nothing, you know, but it's kind of like you see culture written right into it. So you should probably attach that to your show notes too. Like, Hey, go check this out because it really does. I didn't want to read them all on, on air. Cause it's, but watch, one should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. That's the first tenet. In
0: accordance with reason. Right. And so, define you know, that, y'all. Define. Define <laughs> that.
3: Uh, the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. These are the seven tenets, though. <laughs> and, and I think as Christians, we need to just be awakened to what we face. And again, what I went back to earlier, why is this? We've got generations coming behind us. I don't yeah, care. I yeah. hear people all the time sitting there saying, oh, "Jesus is coming." Okay, my grandma said it, my grandpa said it, my great grandma said it, my great grandpa said it. I don't know when that time and day is, but I need to prep my little girl. And I and I want to prep other young people and other people that are that are outside of Christ and say, "Hey, look, there here's your answer to all of this depression, all of this hurt, all of this pain that you're going through. This is your answer, and what better time than this in 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 this empire, right? than to go and give people a message like you said that's of love and that gives us hope and encourages us
0: you know there's there's a common thread going off of the tenets of satanism (laughs) i think there's something i'm going to bounce around a little but my point i'm going to get my point it's going to happen it's not going to take forever that's the challenge (laughs) all right so when you look at all these empires you see some very common themes like you see the ziggurats you see the pyramids you see these giant grandiose structures that kind of build them up to be gods and one of the verses that always stuck out to me in the bible when i would read the tower of babel was right when they started to build and the lord came down to look at the city and the tower that the people were building look he said the people are united and they all speak the same language after this Nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. That reveals power in unity. Now, when you have a power in unity with Christ, you have eternal victory. Mm. When you have the power of unity in man, you have eternal damnation because of just the very simple fact that if without Christ, you're not getting it. But you can do like nothing's impossible. But when you read into that and you think about what that means, when you don't have the Holy Spirit, then that means nothing is too evil for us to not accomplish. Mm -hmm. And then you look at Mm -hmm. Luciferianism and Satanism, which they will say all day for PR reasons are not the same thing, but they are. Anton LaVey, you know, Aleister Crowley. Like they leave the receipts out there clear, like anyone who wanted to do the paper trail could do it they don't even bother to hide it you know and i'm i'm talking i'm preaching to the choir right now everyone here knows that but when you look at those it comes it comes down to the worship of self but more importantly and as a believer this is what it is like we know self-love we did an episode on that you know self-love is not the goal but Satan's job or goal is inversion everything is inversion mm. that actually was one of the first things that led me to Christ is when I was studying the occult I realized that the thing that they kept attacking that these people that I was scared of at the time They only inverted the word of God from the Bible. They Mm. only inverted this, this God, Elohim. They only inverted Jesus Christ, you know, like this, this entity was the only one they came against. The rest all could come to the party. Everyone else was invited to the big crazy party where everything's getting sacrificed for all kinds of reasons, except Jesus. Yeshua was not invited. And so I realized I need to read the bible Mm. when they kept bringing up revelation and this stuff i'm like i need to read that book and so when i read revelation annotated i came to christ and i realized that satan's goal is always to invert so how do you know that it's not just because they redefine love they've redefined love they've redefined woman it's now hate speech to say woman in certain groups and circles it's it's like as a Christian, we fall into the trappings of of picking and choosing verses. Oh, well, you know, the Lord says to love everyone, and if this is how they define love. No. If it's an inversion mm-hmm. of what God has put forth, right. then it is not love to partake in it, no matter how comfortable people feel. And so a great litmus test for a believer in any empire, even if you're sitting outside of this empire, because technically we're all under currently physically in a space, the empire of the devil. His his first kind of quiet one before the big antichrist one, but there's technically an empire at play in every corner of the earth right now. And a good litmus test is, is this inverting what mm, the Lord has put into place? Is this a subtle redirect from what his word strictly says? Because just like the devil in the garden, did he really say, did God really mean? That's that's, <laughs> that's He does that 75 times over six generations and he's completely inverted what the Lord said. Right. And now culturally acceptable things are the exact opposite. And you see that as a pattern in all of these empires, these big ones that last, the ones we learn in history class. And the same entities, these pagan things, like I think a lot of time in history class we learn these are pagan, like they just kind of pray to these mythical things. No, they were all praying to demons Mm -hmm. that went by different names, and you can track it by what they're associated with. The name's attached. Even Solomon is attached to the satanic belief system because he's accredited with all the other wisdom that he was given, right? right? They read books named after the guy right. because of what other knowledge he came after. Right. And then my final thought when what you were saying about how Solomon prayed for wisdom and how it's important to pray for godly wisdom right. is he prayed for wisdom to take care of his people. How easy is it when you don't add in like godly wisdom to take care of my people? How easy is it for the enemy to come in and say, well, this is wisdom and it would take care of your people? How, how easy is it for the enemy to come in or just another person who's misguided in this world to come up to you and be like, well, it's wisdom. It'll take care of your kid. Mm. It's wisdom. It'll pay your bills. It's wisdom. It'll let you see another day, you know? And it's like, okay, suddenly it's wisdom. And it's like, so it's very important. Like you said, godly,
2: yes.
0: gotta have godly as the modifier of all of it.
1: That's some really good stuff you guys are going. I am actually finally getting able to chime in and I got to go backwards a little bit because there was things said that I was like, my brain blew up. Uh, demonic food was the first thing. I was like, what? Demonic food? And then when you kept talking, I was thinking maybe it was something spicy because I don't do that and anything spicy to me is demonic. But man, that was so amazing. Demonic food. And, and I instantly thought of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Right. And they refused to eat what Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians were offering them. The other Israelites who were from the royal line, from the seed, right? I think that's the word term used there in some translations. They they just joined in the party. They're like, cool, this is it. This looks great to me. I'm going to eat it. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. We're going to eat this instead. And I liked we had, a. I think it was... I don't know if this was actually on the episode or if it was just a side conversation when we had our friend Doug on because that side conversation should have been recorded, but he was talking about how that wasn't so much about the vegetables are better for you or healthier. So not saying anything against vegetarians and vegans, but what he was saying is that it was the weaker food, but still through the weaker food, it will make them look better. And then I didn't even think about the Israelites saying we could have had all the meat in Egypt and God was giving them the manna from heaven, like he was giving them his stuff. And I just thought about that demonic food concept and thinking that like, the enemy wants to feed us this garbage, but not necessarily like, I'm not going to go into like TV or music or stuff like that. The garbage of uh, self-reliance, the garbage of doubt, the garbage of fear, of anxiety, and all these other garbage things that he wants to feed us through how he's doing it. And God wants to feed us love joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And if I'm missing one, I'm missing one. And that seems weaker when you flip it on the other side comparably. But God's saying this is the stuff that's going to sustain your body. So I I love that. Quick note on Jesus is coming. Jesus is here because he left us here. And, And we talked about that, that we are the, the, his statue here on earth. And I think a lot of times, yeah, the, the, I grew up in church. So I've heard and now when I look at almost being 40, so I've got four decades of life under my belt now. I grew up in church hearing the same thing. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Uh, for I think all of us here, Michelle, I don't know how old you are. And I'm not going to guess because I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to assume all of us were alive during Y2K. Yes. Right? And <laughs> One <more> every <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, right? Y2K was crazy. Go out and stock your house because we didn't do something with computers, so it's just going to revert back. And bombs are going to blast off, and everyone's saying this is it, this is the end of the world, and Jesus is going to come back either before that or on that, and then he didn't. I, I think there was a book it- written by a guy, and it said eighty-eight reasons why Jesus is coming in nineteen eighty-eight, mm. and then he revised it, <laughs> and it was. 89 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1989, you know, we're constantly guessing on this whole concept of when Jesus is coming back. I even think of uh, the Mayan calendar that was, what was that, 2012?
0: Oh, yeah. So something
1: more recent for people who aren't old enough to remember the Y2K scare. But, you know, it's all this stuff of people saying, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And Jesus said, my kingdom came and I left it here with you guys. So you go out and be my kingdom. Yes, I'm going to come back again, but I don't know that. The angels don't know that. Only God knows that. So just do what I've left you here to do. And I also love the nothing is impossible when you're talking about the the unity. And I just instantly went to the verse in my head, they invented new ways to sin. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's kind of where it kind of hits sometimes is that, yeah, when when we're together, sometimes if we're in the flesh, yeah, people create new ways to sin. It just, we kind of think like things are getting worse and worse as we kind of progress with society, but it just seems like the enemy's just being more creative in that new ways to sin thing. But yeah, that, that was everything I took from you guys and, and everything that was said. And, and it was just amazing to just sit back and listen for the last probably like 20 to 30 minutes
3: <laughs>
1: sorry about that no. I know. it's a weird thing right as a host you like let my guests talk more like that's the common thing right. but I'm also like I want to be part of this conversation
3: I, I think with four people it's always a little bit tougher but you just hey look break the episode up no right, <laughs> Cause, right. because I mean look everyone here is throwing out su- such great meat
1: mm-hmm. you
3: know just such great meat for a believer and we have to understand, I mean, you know, you were just sitting there talking about like, you know, evil. And, you know, when we look there and we go to Second Timothy 3.13, it does say that. It says evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one thing that has been promised to us. Now, you know, everybody says everything's new under the sun. No, there's nothing new under the sun. That's what they say, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, I get that. But then you also see verses that say this evil is going to progress. And, you know, you didn't want to go to the TV, but I'll go to the TV because I'm going to sit there and tell you something. The depression the the anguish the lows you know speaking to to all of the things that the demonic wants to instill into people to suppress them and oppress them comes out of that tv people are suffering they're in pain there's no hope there's nothing and it's just okay so maybe it's not the key thing but it definitely reinforces the music right come on y'all i'm sorry I was 41 and came to Christ. So let me tell you something. I've been in the music. I've been in the hip hop. I've been in the rap. I've been in the country. Uh, she left me. I'm gonna drink a bottle of whiskey and and, and pet my dog. <laughs> I don't know. Let me tell you something. That that that's not hopeful <laughs> messaging. Right. Um, and so we we get a reinforcement from society and culture. To live in those depressions, and they're like, it's okay to be p- anxiety. No, it is. It's okay to have the depression. It's okay to have the anxiety. But there is an answer. There's a hope. Where is that? Where? No, we'll just deal with it. You know? No. Where's the hope? And so we get that bombarded and reinforced. So I'll say it for you on your show. <laughs> and, 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 and you know, and I'm, and I'm not even gonna apologize for it because I've I've had to cut it out. Yeah. I've noticed that when it's my life, some of the old habits start to come back. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'll watch a movie that has a bunch of curse words in it. Next thing you know, man, I'm slipping. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, wait, hold up. Maybe I need to refine that a little bit. So just be aware of these things. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you what to do with your life. but I'm just saying be aware.
0: I'll add one thing that I'm going to not. Back to what the other side, the hardcore, diehard Luciferians believe. Right. When they list out what the demons are in charge of and what what their character traits are, you'd think that they would try to paint them like these great, people so that they don't look like idiots for following them right no they don't they do they they say exactly what they accredit these things to which reveals their mindset and one of the things that a lot of them are in charge of is rational philosophies Mm. that says a lot about the self-reliance that you were talking about chris you know rational be rational about this Mm. be rational what was rational about the red sea party? what was (laughs) rational about genesis the entire book what was rational what's rational about salvation and so like in our current empire this idea about rational becoming a religion and everything that isn't rational is demonized everything that is not aligned with that is is now the demon and rational is now the light yet there are literal demons that the people that worship demons say their thing is rational philosophies. They entertain rational philosophies. Why would a demon need to entertain rational philosophies unless there was something wrong with that? Because the Lord doesn't have to work in a little box of rational Mm. that our little minds can wrap around. He's not limited by that. We have limited knowledge. So we're actually not rational. We're irrational thinking we're rational.
3: And empires try to define boxes.
2: Yes. And looking at rationality and, and wisdom, which you brought up as well. And I was wanting to bring this up before, but there's just so much good stuff that we're to live by faith and walk by faith. And you just said, you know, like the Red Sea parting, you know, what's rational about that? And there's so much that God puts before us that is counterculture that doesn't make sense that is just based on trust and is based on following, right? It's assurance of things not seen. Like, I can't see this, like rationality would be like, why would you trust it? Why would you go in that direction? But it's because we have a God that we can trust. Yes. And when we exhibit that faith and we walk in that faith, that transition happens more and more. You're talking the layers, but I think that a huge thing in empire, um, Shay, I think you brought it up at the beginning of the show, was just what empires provide. When we just look at and you gave several examples right now of what the dark empire is providing with all of these distractions, with these things that, hey, just having it present and whatever, like, calls me to start going in a way, whether it's music or tv or any number of things right there's just a lot of tools out there that we're probably all familiar with because it's the kind of stuff that we get convicted about <laughs> um but i think that put some of the mindset though and what's hard because even with so much of the content that is just trash and we've kind of known as christians for a long time like ah, tv isn't good but it seems like it's kicked it up a notch and like why have these things on and what's happening with them like even if it's not horrible it's probably mostly waste of time like, could go towards something better but when you look at but what's the absence of that like how do i just get rid of that and we might know that we want to but it seems like less than because then it's like oh but i don't get to watch those and the meat in egypt was way better and to not value what it is that's truly in the kingdom the treasures that's in the kingdom chris you listed off all the fruit of the spirit and the things that we can just all right, would you rather keep up with that show like, and binge watch it every night and try and distract yourself from things that are going on or have peace mm. and be able to go to bed with peace and be okay? It's like, Yeah, I think peace is a good one, right? But there's a lot of different things that can be hard to give up because they can seem valuable. But again, I think that what the empire is providing in a lot of ways, that's the lust of the eyes, it's the lust of the flesh, it's the pride of life, it's things that are flesh. And Michelle, you brought that up earlier, and it's all connected. But our flesh wants to live in the kingdom, right? That's the part that coincides with what Satan is doing. So he definitely knows. Chris, you say all the time, we keep running the same play. Like, and you brought up those seven things, and like, ah, sure, we can be a Christian podcast. Go put the seven tenets of Satan
1: (laughs) (laughs) in the show notes. We'll
2: we'll have our Christian readers read that because there's a playbook, and to be aware of what's going on. Like, obviously, pray about it and don't full on dive in. I've looked at a lot of the occult stuff and. Yeah. You need to be ready and aware because that yeah. stuff is sneaky. <laughs> just in researching, yes. you can come up and just like some of those philosophies, like you were saying, it's so rational and the philosophies are there and the challenges against Christ are there. They're so like, man, it can that can catch you slipping really quick. And just yet another tool. And there's a lot of people in each of these areas. Right. Because like hardcore Luciferians, there's a ton of them. But there's also way more people that are listening to pop culture and different things like that and the levels of influence and how it all plays. Like you're saying, uh, that military ranking, different people are doing different stuff. And yeah, see it.
1: I like that. I want to touch on that distraction thing, because when I think about it, like we're, we're talking about empires and what they do. And one of the things that we'll, as we looked at them, sometimes the Israelites just seemed comfortable in that empire, right? They were cool with where they were. And even now, when we look at empires and where we're at, the one thing I think that the, the, the head of all this, you know, when we're, we're talking about Satan, he is the guy running the playbook and running the scheme is that he does for, at least for Christians. He does want us distracted mm. because distracted Christians, they don't do much. And we, you guys are talking about TV and media. And I just, I didn't say I didn't want to bring it up because I, I wanted to kind of throw in some of those other right. concepts are also right. the food. The enemy feeds us. Right. So a lot of people are like, Oh, it's all bad through the TV. And yes, it, Maybe it's not all bad, but it is a distraction. Mm -hmm. I I looked at something and me and Murdoch were talking about it. And it said, if you read your Bible 30 minutes a day, you could read your Bible, your entire Bible in six months. Mm -hmm. And I was like blown away by this. And Murdoch's like, I've been telling you this for like the last three years (laughs) or something. And I was like, well you just didn't have a nice chart because I needed to. Yeah. Chart. That's what it was. he saw the chart and he's like, it makes sense now.
2: It's like what I preach weekly. I'm just like, guys. It's rational.
1: <laughs> yeah. It made sense. Uh, but that's just 30 minutes of my time. And I could read the Bible in six months. That means I could do it twice in a year. And if I broke it down to actually eat it slowly and chew on some of it, I think it's less time to read it within a year, but you're putting the word in you in a year, and it's only 15 minutes of your 24 hours. But the enemy's got us so distracted that we can't even get 15 to 30 minutes of our time to chew on the good food that's there for us. Not that demonic food, Mm -hmm. but that good food. And, And so when he wants us distracted, the one thing is that we realize is that we don't come to treasure Jesus as that ultimate treasure. Everything else becomes the ultimate treasure, the, the comfort of what we live in, uh, the comfort of our house, our job. We lean on those and we treasure those, the comfort of fame, popularity, sex, pornography, whatever it is, the vice that's kept you in bondage. We lean on that more than anything else. And that's what we, we chew on. And that's becomes what we treasure. And that's what the enemy wants from us, because once we treasure that and we're distracted by it then we're not out there moving God's kingdom forward. And I I want to talk about this earlier and I didn't get the chance. And then I forgot when I did the last time. But the thing that sticks out to me when we're talking about God's kingdom, moving the gospel forward is what Jesus said to Peter. It's something that hits my head a lot more now than it has before is, uh, and the gates of hell will not stop. You won't be stopped by the gates of hell, right? Like you could march against it. And reading that growing up, I never put the two and two together that, this wasn't a defensive thing. Where kind of where I feel like we're at now with our with Christianity in America, probably Western religion. Right. But this is offensive. Attack, yeah. attack, attack the empire. Attack the yeah. empire. Yes. And again, we're not talking about like soldiers, right? We're not arming up right. and no, gun, <laughs> gun. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, that's my specialty. I know that's your specialty. <laughs> we're not talking about like loading up and shooting. We we've no, given we've given one defensive. Tool when you look at the the armor armor of God and that's the word, right. and the sword is the word and that's offensive. But if God is the word, and the word is God, and God is love, our weapon isn't a weapon to slice and dice. It's a weapon of love that we give to people. How do we destroy the empires? We show christ's love. I, I think I'm just
3: going to end on the 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 defense. I think we do. You're right. We we spend a lot of time in a defensive posture. 30 minutes wait you're trying to squeeze in the bible hold on a second let's just think about this for a minute so i'm trying to squeeze the bible into my day okay now where's discipleship Where's sharing the gospel where is you see you see where i'm going with this Mm -hmm. so my my in the defense i think that like okay i go to church on sunday or however you approach that that's you know that's that's between you and god and you're trying to squeeze in 30 minutes or 15 minutes or a verse a day of the Word of God or prayer. And and you're leaving everything else that you've been called to do. Offensively, I'm finding time to pray. I'm finding time to be in the Word. I'm finding time to get out there and share the Word. I'm, I'm, I'm in the Gospel. I'm out there trying to disciple people. That is what we've been called to do. So you're right. I think Western civilization, um, not everyone. Look, I'm not grouping. Mm-hmm. but I'm saying that we have taken on this idea that it's hard to find 30 minutes just to read the Bible. Jesus multiplied 5,000 fish, you know, for 5,000, right? He multiplied the fish for 5,000. But did Jesus hand out that fish and fit, mouthfeed everyone? No. He handed it to his disciples to go do the work. So if we're sitting in that defensive, like you said, Chris, man, I think we're 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 in a bad spot we need to figure out how we can get the distractions, the TV. We put Netflix down, y'all. And we start a podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like uh, we put we put Netflix down and and we started doing all these other things to improve not just the kingdom but our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, letting Jesus in to improve our lives. And so I think you know today, if we we're thinking, get out of that defensive posture, move forward, be offensive, be for there for the Lord.
0: Amen. I don't want to follow that up. But I have a small thing, <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead, and that is, and I told this to someone today, that obedience is a weapon. I, I don't think the defensive thing. I love that verse because yeah. it was a pastor that m- made me aware of, like, the reality that it's a lie of the enemy that we're on the defense. Even the offense wears armor. Right. The truth is, he's scared of us. Think about when there's dogs that can kill you and you're trying to rob a house. What do you do? You throw meat or you shoot them. To distract them because they're the threat and you're scared they have real power to mess you up and that is what the devil does to us mm. is he's trying to distract the heck out of us because he doesn't have permission to do absolutely we're not all job he doesn't have permission to do absolutely everything to all of us all the time and so we have to remember that we are on the offensive in our yes. armor of god yes. that obedience is our weapon submission is our weapon mm, worship Is our war ship. Yes. And that his word is that sword. And as silly as it sounds in the world, the reason the world makes all these movies about war and weapons is to make us feel like our little book is weak. Mm. When really that's mind control. That's brainwashing. To convince to make us feel obsolete and outdated and corny and 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 like weak sauce. And really just going out defiantly against the devil and doing what God says, no matter what it is, no matter how small it is of a thing to you, whatever God asks you to do, doing that makes Satan's day miserable. It makes that third of heaven's armies that fell miserable. And it's a win in eternity. And that's what we need to remember. If nothing else, we're the offense, not the defense. He's outgunned
2: again, there's, so there's the bad guys, right? And in, in all of these stories that we've been going through, the villains, and we're looking at z- villain as the concept of just empire. And when you look at, at the eternal villain behind it, right? The devil and the angels that fell, that's how it can just transfer from empire to empire. And you see these same things cropping up and happening. But when you look at the strength that's there, but you brought it up is that it wants to look big, right? Mm-hmm. And you brought up Job and there's different stuff, but then it's like, we're post cross we're post victory, right? The sound has gone out gospel. It's the good news of the victory. And that when we're called to walk in that, Chris, like you were bringing up that we're on the offensive. And I really like how you said, you know, obedience as a weapon, because if you look at a military that's super well-trained with their weapons, it's like, oh, they mean business. Like this is something (laughs) going on. So by walking in obedience, obedience that really just shows the might of the kingdom right but it's the weird thing that oh but the world belongs to the meek because we're not putting ourselves out there in all of this pride and all this grandeur we're going out and loving and serving the least of and forgiving people and bringing mercy and bringing the gospel right and bringing hope so it's just like it doesn't look like it has power like you were saying but i think to a world that's so broken and is seeing so much darkness that's what makes us the light is that if we can really step into this thing of obedience and there's so much bad stuff about it, like, Oh, you can't earn your salvation through obedience. It's just like, can we move past that conversation? <laughs> and just right. like, yeah, right. we're saved by right. grace right. and by, no. by the oh. cross, but like, yes, but then we get to be obedient. And in that obedience, Chris and I tie it back a lot to in the presentation of the gospel, that big R word is to repent. And it's not a bad word. It's what brings freedom. Yeah. It's on your shirt. Exactly. But right that it brings freedom and that's God's yes. method of moving you out of the kingdom of darkness and into his kingdom. He says, all right, we're going to take off all the old stuff, take off all that dirty clothes, take it all off. I'm going to clean you up, put on this new robe and walk in righteousness. And it really comes down to that repentance. And I know we we're talking distractions and different things. And I'm just going to say it because I'm a pastor at a church. And I think that it is a lot of the church's responsibility mm-hmm. to equip and to disciple the saints and when we're looking at so many people coming into the church and never really dealing with their distractions never really dealing you know with some of the things that go beyond distractions and are actually destructive it's was like oh it's all voluntary we have a class for that if you happen to choose to go to it and it's like no, we need to take the discipleship more seriously. Because it's like you said, that is our mission here. We're on the offensive. And that's part of what we're doing. And I think that when the church takes it more seriously, when leadership takes that on, because you can't expect a baby to know how to do everything, Or right? It's like, cool, you came to faith. I'm celebrating with all of heaven. But like, where are those who know that can pass it on? Because I've spent too much of my life distracted by stuff. If I was to tell you how many hours I spent playing video games, even after I became a Christian, all this stuff, and just like, But when I want to distract myself, that's a go-to. And I can find myself, like you said, you can find yourself right back there. So how do you bring people out of that? Because as Christians who know and have come to know the other side of things, like it's the most loving thing we can do to say, yeah, you know what? You have the time to read your Bible. You have the time to pray. You have the time to go out and share with people. You have the time to do all the stuff, but you're experiencing a sin of sloth and of disobedience. So we're going to bring you into this thing called repentance and you get freedom from all of that. And it's going to be an amazing thing for you. And when it's kind of, it's the role of the church, it's the role of God's kingdom, right? That we're operating in that. And I think that that shows again, that we are on the offensive run. like, Oh, look what the world's doing. You see what's on the news. Did you see what happened at this concert? Did you see what happened over there and over here? And like, look at all the blogs. It's just like, I'd rather be way too distracted with right. what the church is doing in a good way. <laughs>
0: right?
3: Oh, yeah. she, she, she brought that up, you know, some current event she brings up and I'm like, huh? What? Because right. <laughs> I, I just I like I just think keep away from the distractions. But I'm going to put a plug in what the shirt he said. Your shirt says it. Yeah, it says recognize, repent, recover. You know, recognize that maybe you are being distracted. Mm-hmm. You know, turn to God and say, hey, look, man, I want to change my mind. I want to do something different. Because the whole idea of the kingdom and being in the kingdom and having the kingdom on earth is being able to recover, to live in the freedoms, to live in the life that he has promised us. This isn't something we earn. It's not something that it's, we're just learning how to unlock, unlock what we've been given. It's a download. I received Jesus. I have been sanctified. Now experiential sanctification starts to show me what I've been given. And I love it. I love this message. I love the recognized repair recover. That's my three R's. I teach at all the time. I'm also in ministry, and, and it's like <laughs> uh, uh, do
0: y'all
2: get it. <laughs> yes, but yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to order one of those shirts. Do it.
1: I like that. Yeah. You can
0: get it at thepantrypodcast.com. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Super plug. No
1: there it is. I, I think that's a great way to wrap this episode up. I, I really want to say thank you, guys, uh, Michelle and Shay, for coming on the show. Uh, I really enjoy you guys and. One of the blessings of that that podcasting group was meeting you guys and just having this connection and this relationship. Um, And I just can't wait to do this again with you guys. This was awesome. Uh, So let's wrap this up. Our way to attack the empire, obedience and love. So I am Chris. I'm your look. I'm Shay. I'm Michelle. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening.